Mother's Day. It's the only day of the year where it is not inappropriate to say, your mother. <laughs> I tested that out on Bruce's wife. I said, would it be okay to say this? She said yes. So if, it's, if you're offended, just email me at brucehedgepath at churchofthepalms.org. <laughs> Um, my name is Joe Davis, I'm the lead teacher here for The Garden, and today is going to be a little bit uncomfortable for me, um, and maybe for some of you, but today we're going to be talking about embracing weakness. I love the song they just sang, uh, my sin and shame don't count anymore. I don't think that many Christians really grasp what grace is, you know? My sin and shame don't count? What does that mean? So we're going to look at Romans chapter 5, 1 through 8. I'm going to read the first part for you, then flash the second part up on the screen. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace. And what is faith again, guys? It's a gift. Therefore, since we have just been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him also we have obtained access by faith, which is a gift, into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice for the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Paul writes like this a lot, doesn't he? Where he starts with one thing and he just gives you a logical progression into what the ultimate climax of truth is in our lives. He does this a lot. Remember we talked about it a few weeks ago? I am persuaded neither death nor light nor power nor anything, you know, in heaven or on earth or in the sea or anything will separate us from the love of God. He does this a lot. He, he loves lists. It's almost as if he writes it like a lawyer. <clears throat> but then the second part of this is even more powerful than the first. For what, This is on top of the list he just gave. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare to even die. But God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What he's describing is kind of like, you know, there are secret service agents who have given their life in the past to protect the president. It'd be like one of them giving their lives for one of us. And so when we talk about this, the first thing I want to do today is I want to go through in a sort of academic sort of way, and I'll try to get through this as quickly as possible so I don't lose your attention. But the first thing I want to do is I want to talk about all the things the gift of faith gives us. We've been talking about faith being a gift really since I got here almost three years ago. <clears throat> We've been talking about it. Faith is a gift. Faith is a gift. Faith is a gift. Today we're going to talk about some of the things you get with that gift. We see that in our passage. The first thing you get is peace. We don't have to worry about facing judgment but we can look forward to embracing Heavenly Dad. So we don't face God as judge for all of our sin and our shame, but we have the peace of knowing that we will face him with an embrace because of the gift of faith in the work of Christ. Philippians 4, 7, And the peace of God which surpasses all logical understanding will guard your hearts 
and your minds in Christ Jesus. This peace of God that just defies logic is the thing that will give you comfort. Guard your heart and guard your mind. The next thing we get is we get grace. Not what we deserve, but we receive instead the riches of grace. Ephesians 1, 17 to 18, these are all verses by Paul, by the way. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope with which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. The next thing we get, we get peace, we get grace. What else we get through the gift of faith is endurance. He talks about this in the verse before. There is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. I'm going to steal a verse from Revelation. Here is a call for the endurance of the saints, those who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. Another thing we get through this gift of faith is character. Now this, this one blows me away because... In the midst of my sin and shame, God comes down. He gives me the gift of faith, which gives me peace and grace and endurance, and then transforms my very character that needed faith for salvation to begin with. So you see how silly it is to think that faith is of ourselves, because we don't have the character to embrace faith. Faith is given to us, and then it gives us character. Do you see the difference? It doesn't start with character and then faith. We have no character. We're sinners. But in the midst of our sin, while we were weak, while we were dead in sin, he calls us, he makes us alive, gives us the gift of faith, and then changes our character. Look at this verse he wrote in 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. That is a current present tense present perfect, are being transformed into the same image, the image of Christ, from one degree of glory to another. In other words, it's a step-by-step process. We are currently, as of right now, continuing to be transformed from one point in glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So we get peace We get grace, we get endurance, we get character, and we get hope. The end is hopeful now, not fearful, but bright. Colossians 1.27 says, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the glory of this mystery in which Christ in you, the hope of glory Then we get something else according to this verse in Romans 5, or this passage in Romans 5 from the gift of faith, and that is the Holy Spirit. We were separated because of our sin, separated from the one who gives life, and now because which given us is all these other things, it gives us the Holy Spirit which now lives in us. We were so dark, we were separated, but through the gift of faith that gives us peace, 
and gives us grace and gives us endurance and it gives hope. It also gives us the Holy Spirit, which says it's actually God who used to dwell in the temple and all the priests had to do all this stuff, wear the right clothing to make sure they could even get close to him or else they'd be killed on the spot. That same God lives in your You've heard me say it many times. That's not a sanctuary. This is not a sanctuary. We are the sanctuary, the dwelling place. Do you not know that you are God's temple? That God's spirit dwells in 3.16, in case you thought I was lying. Romans 8.11. The spirit of whom raised... The spirit who resurrected Jesus, according to this scripture in Romans 8.11 you he who raised christ jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies spirit who dwells in you he says it twice in one sentence for emphasis and you know all these things are great gifts part of the gift of faith in our life but to me the greatest thing about the gift of faith is what it does with our weakness and during times of weakness. <clears throat> Listen to this verse again that I read early on. I'm going to read it for you again. For while we were still weak, and he says in Ephesians 2, while we were dead, he takes it a step further in Ephesians 2, while we were dead in sin. While we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare to die. But God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I'm going to read to you, I'm not going to put it up on the screen, but I'm just going to read to you a quote from John Piper. John Piper is a great theologian, good preacher, good author. He has a great book, if any of you ever want to read it. It's kind of thick reading, but you should try it. It's called Desiring God. It's a great book. Here's what he says in that book. If there were one broad explanation for weakness, it would be to lack, to come up short. Weakness means we don't have what it takes. It means we are neither sovereign, nor omniscient, nor invincible. It means we are not in control. We don't know everything, and we can be stopped. Weakness means, he goes on, weakness means that we desperately need God. And the plea for my own soul, he writes this, the plea for my own soul and for yours is that we would embrace weakness, not despise it. Did you hear what he just said? His plea in his book that he writes is that we would embrace weakness, not despise it. Look at this passage. Paul wrote this, and he was talking about some of his own deficiencies, both physical and... But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, th this blows my mind, Look, very gladly about all my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Wait a minute, what? For Jesus, declaring the gospel, so what I will do is I will brag loudly about my weaknesses. Doesn't that seem like the opposite that we teach our people in church all the time? 
Watch your testimony. Live Don't ever cuss. I'm, guys, I'm going to tell you, I live in fear that one day I'm going to cut one of you guys off on 41 and I lose my job. I swear to you. I'm not kidding. I swear that's true. So if it happens, just laugh and say, man, Joe's faith is strong. So, so you see this, right? For the sake of Christ, then, he says, I'm just going to go back. I love that. I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. It just blows me away that he says that. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses. I'm okay with being flawed, he says. I'm content with weaknesses, with insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities for when I am weak, then I am strong. You know you are a child of God. You know that you would become a child of God when, first of all, facing weaknesses isn't fearful, but comforting. Exactly. <laughs> Whoa. You blew me away, Pastor Joe. That's some good stuff right there. <laughs> Facing weaknesses isn't fearful, but comforting. You know how else you know you're a child of God? When recognizing deficiency enables you to embrace Christ's sufficiency. Because in that situation, you rejoice in your frailties. You don't deny them. Paul says, therefore, I will boast in my weaknesses. But he boasts, boy, let me tell you something. I can really sin with the best of them. That's not how he's boasting. He's boasting in a way that glorifies God. He says, can you believe who I am and what he does in me? It's sick. It's crazy. I can't explain it. So you rejoice in your frailties. You don't deny them. I think a lot of pastors in America spend a lot of time masking their weaknesses. And then when all of a sudden they're revealed, we're shocked. And then Christians follow that example. They mask their weaknesses. They mask their frailties. They don't want people to know that they're struggling. They don't want people to know that they doubt whether or not they're a Christian. They don't want people to know that they're not sure if God really exists. They don't want anybody to know that because it might damage their effectiveness. Or somebody might judge them. You rejoice in your frailties. You don't deny them. You embrace your weakness. You don't mask it. You don't excuse, well, I did that, but you should see how they're driving. <laughs> and it's true, but if I do cut you off, you probably deserve it. Just keep that in mind before you judge me. 30 and a 45, who do you people think you are? How arrogant. You don't excuse your weakness, you confess it. You aren't tortured by your weakness, but you're comforted by identifying them. We live in such fear of our frailties and our weaknesses, and sometimes we go years in denial. Guys, when we confront them, we don't have to be tortured by them. We can be comforted by the fact, man, bottom line is, this is who I am. 
I don't like it, and I want to change, and faith will change. Remember I said faith gives you character, so I'm not giving you an excuse for sin, right? But the Scripture's teaching us you don't have to be tortured by that weakness when you identify it. And you know what happens when the gospel through faith, which is what? It's a gift. When the gospel through faith is applied, you know what your weaknesses no longer do? Okay, full disclosure. I stole this from Megan. Your weaknesses no longer define you. It's being chosen that defines you. You see the difference? Oh, your weaknesses are still there, but that's not who you are anymore. In the midst of your weakness, which Paul says, in the midst of our death, in the midst of our sin, he dies for us and he calls us out of darkness into light. What defines you is being a chosen called child of God. My sin and my shame don't count anymore. You know what else happens when the gospel through faith is applied to you? Your weaknesses no longer separate you, but become a path to reconciliation with God. Because the scripture says the greatest thing that God loves, David said this in Psalm 51, we did what? A seven-year study on the life of David in here? What seemed like, Right? David said, if you do not desire sacrifice, I give it all day. You don't delight in worship and offering. What you love is a broken spirit and a broken and a contrite heart, God. These things you will never hate. And when you have that moment, your weaknesses no longer separate you. They become, when you identify them, the path of reconciliation. And this is a deep theological concept. The whole purpose for the law was to show our deficiency so that we would turn to Jesus. So in reality, the law reveals your deficiencies, which makes you realize, I need Christ. And so in a strange way, and it must drive Satan nuts, in a strange way, our weaknesses, our sin becomes part of our path to salvation. I boast in my weaknesses, Paul says. You get that? You see that subtle concept? How does this happen? Through through brokenness, we are made strong in our weaknesses. While we are sinners, Christ died for us. So with that in mind, it's true. I wanted to do something a little different today. And what we're going to do is... boast a little bit about my weaknesses, all right? That'll be fun for you, huh? Don't it? I mean, I obviously, I have ADD. What? I live in fear. I shared this earlier. I do live in fear of US 41 costing me my job. Some of you may not know this about me, but I have a mild case of Tourette's. I have a lot of twitches I'm always clearing my throat. It's embarrassing sometimes. Another weakness, I'll eat anything with melted cheese at any time. It's true. I love melted cheese. I wish there was a low-calorie, no-calorie thing I could melt cheese on. 
tried my finger, but that hurt too much. It's true. You know what else I'm weakest about? You ever been out to food with me like at a buffet or like at a banquet? Guess who's always first in line when the food's being served? People don't realize I'm serving when I do that, testing it. But on the serious side, you know what else I'm weak about? I struggle with my thought life a lot. And not just morally, but with anger. I get bitter and resentful. I really lack a lot of patience with my wife and my son. I can say some really mean things to both of them. You know, for years I've struggled with this. For some reason, I'm really insecure. And so when somebody criticizes me, even rightfully, I get very defensive. I lack a filter in some things that I say that would keep me from hurting people. Sometimes I throw daggers and I don't even realize it. I'm a liar too, by the way. Sometimes my own hypocrisy leaves me speechless. Sometimes I'm afraid of God not being real. I'm your pastor and I'm afraid of that. Sometimes I wonder, am I really saved? Is that familiar? Well, I'd like to tell you, oh, I know. Sometimes I struggle. I mean, I could sit here for an hour or four. <laughs> I think you get the idea, right? But guys, that's a short list that's actually very long. But in some strange, miraculous way, I'm excited to share these things with you in this ridiculously public setting that is being recorded and published on the internet. Why? Because it gives God a lot of glory, doesn't it? Because in spite of all these ridiculous, obvious weaknesses, God allows me to teach you his word each week. I can't believe it. He allows me to shepherd some of you when you're hurting and when you confess weaknesses to me. Ask his prayer. I mean, that's, that's ridiculous. He allows me to have a ministry like the Nightlife Center and made these awesome kids my family. He allows me to impact hearts of people all the time, all the while I'm constantly getting in the way. You know how all this happened? Because secretly, I discovered when I was a senior in high school the secret to spirituality is that when I embrace my weaknesses, it has always maximized my fruitfulness. That's why I love being vulnerable. That's why I don't mind sitting out at dinner and drinking a beer with you. Or my secret sin, watching Survivor all 31 seasons 
guys, you know what I am? I'm a broken vessel, full of weakness. Yet for whatever reason, God reached down and gave me the gift of faith that is strong when I'm weak. Boy, is it strong. And it never lets me go.